and so I'm just grateful to God for that. I just wanted to, uh, as we're talking about the message today, um, I was really thinking about God's love for us and things like that, but I was, I was casting my mind back to when I was in high school and school, primary school, and how things have changed on the dating scene, I guess. Uh, for us back then, there's this... When you actually decided that you like someone, the guys and girls, they decide they like each other, they, you know what it's normally like, there's lots of little groups of kids that gather around, oh, you know, he likes you, she likes you. Um, what do they say, you know, like, what are they saying about me? And they get together and there's all this discussion that happens. And then finally someone's sort of bold enough to make a move and to begin a relationship. Now, that's a big deal, right, amongst the school community. <laughs> there's a relationship about to happen. And back when I was a kid, what you'd do if you, if you wanted to go out with someone or, you know, finally decided that you're going to take that step to invite that relationship to happen was these amazing words, will you go with me? <laughs> like, will you go with me? What's that even mean? You know, where are we going? What are we doing? And, and <laughs> I was thinking about those words and I was like, wow, they're so lame. But, you know, I don't know what it's like today. Um, it's probably different. I don't even know how you get together nowadays. Hey, does anyone know? <laughs> We're all too old out of that anyway. But that was pretty, you know, big deal. And would you go with me? And, you know, if you were the brave person, you'd actually go up to the other one and, you know, say, will you go with me? And then if you weren't the brave one, you'd get your best friend to go and ask them. You know what I mean? Can you go and ask them and say, will you go with so-and-so? <laughs> And I guess that the point of that was to save a little bit of embarrassment if, if the answer was, no, <laughs> will you go with me? No, we won't go with you. I'm not going anywhere with you. We're, we're not going. And, and then I guess the, I was thinking about the other term, you know, they're going steady. And I'm like, so you were unsteady before, now you're steady, like we're steady. And it was just like in my head I'm thinking how like interesting it is that there's this something inside of us you know we don't want to be rejected we want to be loved we want to have a relationship and feel good about it but even worse than that was when the breakup happened you know it's like certainly if you heard news that the other one was going to dump you um you'd get in first right <laughs> i want to be the dumpy not the dumped and so you'd send a posse off to them you know uh you're you're dumped and i'm like wow you're dropped that's it you're dropped See, Shannon knows, she's been there. <laughs> have you been dropped or have you dropped? <laughs> both, <laughs> been on both ends of the dropping uh, thing. <laughs> but yeah, you're dropped and it's like, oh, heartache, straight away, that, that dropped feeling and, and your heart does drop. And I, and I was thinking today, like, how, is, how are people dropped and how are they in relationships? And I don't know, in Facebook, it would be like, you know, status change or something like that. I'm not on Facebook, so I'm not that familiar with it. When I get it wrong, let me know. But, you know, there's status. It's complicated. <laughs> in a relationship, free, <laughs> whatever it might be. But, you know, now I've heard that people can get dropped by text, right? You know, you're dropped. See you later. And I was thinking, wow, it's even worse than that. Sometimes you get Siri to drop them for you. <laughs> hey, Siri, can you drop so-and-so? Yeah. Um, problem with that, if it's anything like me, it'll probably take three 
three of those messages because every single time there'll be some, you know, automatic texting that says the wrong word, and I'll be like, oh, I've got to do it again. <laughs> so, but the point of this is that this ache for relationship that we have, right, as I was thinking about the first move is really what I was thinking about. And, and with God, how he made the first move towards us. You know, that we were people created by him in his image. And no matter how we think about it, inside of everybody, there's this ache to belong. It doesn't matter who you are, and you'll feel it in different ways, and I'll be talking about some of those ways in a minute, that there's this ache to, to, to know that I'm actually loved, that I'm accepted, that, that there is someone who is invested in me. Not because of what I do, not because of how much money I have, but they actually love me. And there's a verse we're going to look in in Hebrews in a minute. I'll just be reading a fair slab of it. But, but one of the verses talks about that there remains a rest for his people. For the people of God, there's this rest that finally comes when we understand that despite everything around me, despite what's happening in my life, despite the sin that I have been in before, there's this God who made the first move towards me that, that, that made the decision that I'm going to love and I'm going to pour my love into people. Now, we don't have to accept that love. Let me tell you very clearly that it's easy enough to miss out on that love when we don't understand what is done for us and when we don't respond to that love. The good thing is that God won't actually drop you once he's decided that relationship's there and you accept it and embrace it. You know, I think when Jesus was talking, he said, no one's going to, Satan cannot pluck them from my hands. The people that have called and chosen that, there's, you know, this ferocious love that he has for us that he's never going to let us go. So the decision then rests on us. But, but how do you actually get into that place as a Christian of peace in your life? Because I can guarantee that there's people sitting here this morning and, and even in my own life at times, there's this, this sort of sense that I'm just not good enough, that I've got to work somehow for the approval of God and, and, and for him to actually like me and love me and for him to actually still care for me, that it's, it's up to me and how I am and, and, and what I can actually bring to the table for him. But in reality, we can't bring anything to God. Nothing. You know, it talks about our righteousness being like filthy rags compared to God's righteousness, that that no matter how good it is, whatever it is you bring to him, that if we actually want to compare it with God, which we don't, because we do want to bring righteous offerings, but if we were to compare it with God and what he offers us, the righteousness that is in God, it would be your righteousness looks like filthy rags. And I don't know if you've ever seen filthy rags, but you know, if you've, if you've ever worked on vehicles, uh, if you've cleaned your house, whatever it might be, I'm sure you've seen a filthy rag. You know the ones where you go to wipe your hands clean and they're just dirtier when you're finished, that there's more rubbish on you? That's exactly what it is. When we try to walk in our own righteousness and forget the gift of righteousness from God, it's like we're going back to this filthy rag, washing our hands and saying, look how clean I am. I'm so clean. And it's like, <laughs> that's not clean. Have a look at this righteousness. Boom. 
the righteousness of God that's just so pure and clear and bright and, and gives us everything that we need. The righteousness that the Bible says is imparted to everyone who believes that it's not of us, it's of God. It's a free gift that he has given us. And what a great thing that is for us. So let's read through um, Hebrews chapter 4. And I'll be starting at verse 1. So Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Then I want to talk a little bit about you getting free. You having the peace in your mind with the rest that God has. God's promise of entering his rest still stands so that we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving him this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labours, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to who we are accountable. Now it seems like quite a lot of writing there, and there is, and can I really understand it? But basically, think about it like this. There was a rest promised Israel. They left uh, Egypt, as Ron was talking about this morning in communion, and they were heading towards a promised land. But the Bible says that the people who left Egypt kept looking back. They kept looking back to that place they came from. So if we put, translate that over to our lifetime, that there's a day of rest for us, Jesus Christ died for us and separated us from sin, brought us out of that life into the new life. And people can miss out of the rest of God because they, they keep looking back to their old life. They keep thinking that they have to be the way they were before. Now, not even necessarily in sin, but out of faith, which actually is sin. But they don't remember what God has done for them. And those Israelites that left Egypt didn't enter into the rest of God. There was a promise before them saying that when you get to this land, it's a land of milk and honey. But because of their unbelief, they didn't enter in. Unbelief in what? Unbelief in God's provision, protection, his guidance, his love in their life. And, and are not knowing who God really was not really knowing who they were because of God. And there was still inside of them this need to please and, and, and be known. 
to make themselves the ones who were responsible for their own salvation, in a way. But there's a day of rest for us, Christians, where you can actually be free from a whole lot of things that might be even in your life right now. Freedom and rest for your heart, rest for your intellect, rest in your desires, rest in your fears, rest from your, in your hopes, and a conscience, and a conscience, our conscience being cleansed by Christ. Rest from the burden of guilt, rest from the pressure of fear, rest from the bondage of habits, rest from the slavery of sin, rest from not knowing that we are worth something, and rest from fearing the judgment to come for our life. So how do we enter into this rest? I want you to consider yourself what it is that we are looking for in our emptiness because every single person before they know Jesus is empty. It's like there's this, this ache in the heart, like I said before, to be loved, to be known, to be seen. We talked about that before. But what that brings for us is this absolute unrest in our life that, that our whole life revolves around making ourselves something. Making ourselves somebody. And forcing us into a life where we are not living in rest, knowing who we are, knowing that we are loved. And, and it affects us in a number of ways, but one thing it does is this that it leads us to try and control situations and control people and it leads to us being controlled by others and what they think about us. Have a think about that for a minute. What if you had no reason to prove to anyone that you were worth it? What if you got up in the morning and you didn't have to gain anyone's approval you didn't have to show the world that you were successful in some way, that you, you didn't have to look at the people that were saying you can't succeed and going, I'm going to succeed because you said I can't. That you got up in the morning and you're like, I don't have to go and try and get someone to love me. I don't have to behave in a certain way that makes them think that I'm attractive, that, that makes them drawn to me. What if that pressure was off your life? How would you feel? I think it would be amazing, don't you? That, that the day you walk that day, how free would you be? That you're not trying to impress someone. You're not trying to show them that because e even in your Christian work, I'm such a good Christian, I need to make sure that people know that I'm, I'm praying, that I'm doing this, that, that I'm involved in Christian work, and when they see that, they'll look at me and they'll be impressed. They'll look at me and say they've got it together. That I won't be rejected because I'm not enough for people. Imagine that not being in your life. Now all of us would, would like to say, you know, that's okay. And, 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 and you see people that saying, saying things like this. I don't care what people think. The moment you hear that, they do. I don't care what people think about me. Yeah, you do because you're acting tough and, and put a shell around your life so that people can't hurt you, that 
you don't care because you don't want to get hurt, not because you actually don't care. And God promises a rest to you in that area. Imagine that you actually heard the word of God that said, you are accepted in Jesus Christ, that you have been adopted into his family, that he has given you everything you need in this life to live for him. What if when you started to think about your life, you weren't trying to gain either God's approval or man's approval, but you walked through the day knowing this, that you were basking in the love of a saviour who gave his son for you, a saviour who made the first move. And, and, and the Bible says clearly, we only love God because he first loved us. There was nothing that we did towards God that invited him into our life before he invited us into his life. Now that's a rest to me. That's a rest to me where, where I can actually wake up in the morning, I can go, I am so loved. I'm so loved by a saviour who, who will never not love me. I'm so accepted by him. No matter my faults, my flaws, I look at my past life, my present life, where, where sin's in my life, but then I'm like, wait a minute, Jesus died and he forgave every sin. My shame of the past, my guilt has been washed away. I don't need to be ashamed and, and guilty of that anymore as in living in shame. We should be ashamed of things we've done in the past. So we don't go back there. But what about in your relationships when you try to control people by making them get your approval? We all do it. You know, the husband or wife that, that makes a decision, I'm not talking to you for a week, you offended me, and by me punishing you, you're going to have to win back my approval. How are you going to do that? Wife or husband spends all week trying to get back to this sort of scary relationship where there's no security, where there's no, no real love, and it's like you get back there and as soon as I do something wrong, I'm living in fear, aren't I? It's like what, what, at any moment you can reject me because I don't have a security in your love because you know why? If we understand the love of God towards us, it will change the way we love other people. The purity of our motives begins to change. It's like, you know, the, 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 um, the motives that we have, the, the purity of our motives is driven by the love of Christ for us. I'm not trying to control you. I'm not trying to, you, to get you to do things by unloving you, by dropping you, by making you feel insecure, and, and the more insecure you are, the more that you'll reach out towards me. The more insecure you are, the more control I have over how you treat me and show me that I'm worth something. That is not a free way to live, guys. Friendships, the same. Relationships in a church, in a community. Relationships at work. How does it... How does it happen? You see, the people of God can enter into a rest because they are so secure, knowing that God loves them, that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for them. There is nothing that can make him love you more, as Cole was saying, 
last week and nothing that can make him love you less. His love is eternal. When you understand that, when you really grasp that, it puts you in this place of such rest in your soul because you're not trying to get right with God. You're made right through Jesus Christ. You're not trying to prove by your works that you're worthy of his love because his love is already given. And when we start to translate that into every other relationship in our life, as we live of God, it starts to make our, our relationships so much richer that we rest in the love of Christ. In being accepted, you accept others. You don't get controlled and you don't control anyone. And you're actually free to be who you were made to be. Isn't it amazing how much things you don't do because you're embarrassed? You want to do it. It looks fun. It's great. But I'm so self-conscious that if I do that, people will be looking at me and judging me. What a tragedy that is. And you know what will happen when you need that in your life? You'll, you'll go to something, an addiction of some sort. I don't know what it might be. It might be success in business. I'm addicted to that because then people give me accolades. I'll work hard from morning till night and I'll be successful. People will love me. I'm addicted to that. You know, like I can't relax. I can't be myself. So what I'll do is I'll fill myself up with alcohol. I get rid of all my inhibitions. You know what your inhibitions are? It's your, it's your fear of people judging you. That's what it is. It's like if, if I act in a certain way, or I might turn to drugs because I'm not accepted, or I might turn to social media and the praise that comes from people saying, you are awesome. And I start to get addicted to that, an addiction to approval from people. It's funny, like I remember at my daughter's wedding and we had the dance floor there and so we're dancing away, as you do. And all of, Mika all of Brianna's friends came up to her and they're like, is your dad drunk? <laughs> and she goes, I don't think so, he had this much champagne. Now I don't think I was drunk either, not on that much champagne. But I wasn't ashamed there, do you understand what I'm saying, that... I didn't have to be drunk to dance and be silly. David did it. He'd won a battle. He's dancing in the street. His wife looks out, sees him dancing, is so embarrassed. And, and he's like, I'm dancing before the Lord. This is what I'm doing. What about our worship to God? Why, why do you think we don't talk about Jesus as much? We're embarrassed. People are going to judge me. If I talk about Jesus, they'll put me in some sort of box and I'm not free to actually be a Christian. Um, you know, I actually want to surrender my heart to God in worship. I want to close my eyes and lift my hands. But what if people see You see, what happens is when we are looking to be accepted, when we're looking for approval, we lose our total freedom 
that is meant to be in Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about going back to sin. In fact, you know, as we read through that passage, there's, there's this tendency sometimes we'll go, oh, well, I'll just go back there, I'll go into sin. No, we're talking about pure motives not being dissolved in that sea of sin from the past, but the salt that makes a difference in the world around us. And I'm just wondering, and the question I'm asking you today is this, are you actually free? How many decisions do you make for your life, knowing what even God wants you to do, but you're scared of what someone else will say? You're scared that if, if you actually live the way God wants you to, they're not going to approve of you. And your mind's set so much on the temporary things, the things that we see, it's not set on the things of God. But for us as Christians, we have all sufficiency in Christ Jesus. He has given us grace sufficient for the journey. He's given us the freedom to wait for his promises, not to look back, but he's calling us to surrender everything. And not to be like those people that missed out because they didn't mix faith with the promises of God. They didn't see who God was and what he's done for them and, and, and their faith, the faith wasn't mixed in with the word of God that, that they still didn't believe. And, and how many Christians today are still like that? You read the word of God, but because of what's around you, you're not going to mix your faith with it and go, despite what I see, despite what's around me, I'm going to actually believe God. And there'll be things in your life where you know you want to believe God, but you're worried about it because of what people might think. You're worried if you make a statement of faith, people are going to ridicule you. Imagine Noah building his boat, and he built it over a very long period, 100 years or whatever, like a long time. People walking past. You're an idiot. <laughs> How embarrassing. What is this thing even? What do you mean, rain? Never seen that before. What even is rain? But Noah heard from God. He mixed faith with the word of God, and through him, the world was saved. Wow. Imagine us grabbing hold of that same principle that whatever God says, I believe it. And so I mix faith with God saying that I've been cleansed from all my sin. I'm mixing faith with that. I'm believing it. I don't see it in my life right now. I don't feel it in my life right now. But by faith, I'm going to grab hold of that promise. Freedom. Freedom in Christ. A day of rest that we can enter into, guys. Rest in faith. Faith in God. Until you do that, you're going to live a horrible life on earth. You're going to daily be trying to prove something to somebody. You're going to be daily trying to gain their approval not understanding that you are already approved by our Father in heaven who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. That 
our sins could be separated as far away from us as the east is from the west and that God would actually remember them no more. Imagine that, believing that you're righteous. Imagine believing that you're not just some sinning little worm crawling around on the earth, but mixing faith with the Word of God that tells you who you really are. And once you believe it and once you know it, you start to walk it out in your life. That is how faith works. It sees things that you cannot see with the physical eye. It grabs hold of them. And despite the evidence to the contrary, we believe the word of God. We hold it dear, we hold it firm, and we never let it go, just as he will never let us go. Father God, I just want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, you are above all. And Lord, I know that I'm accepted in you and I'm not ashamed. Father, help me to live it out. Help us to live it out as a church, Lord, to know that we don't need to prove anything. But we are loved by you. And as a result, we begin to live the way you want us to on this earth. To love people the way you've loved us. We just thank you for who you are. Now, maybe this morning that you've never received the love of God in your life ever, that you've fought against knowing him, but this morning God's calling to your heart and he wants to be in relationship with you. The truth is that before the world even existed, God knew what would happen, that people would sin, that they'd walk away from him, and he made a way through Jesus Christ that we can get reconciled to the Father. If that's you this morning and you're like, I just want to know God, I want to feel accepted. In fact, I'm looking for acceptance in so many people. I'm looking for acceptance in drugs. I'm looking for acceptance in approval. I'm looking for acceptance in alcohol, whatever it might be, in education, in business. I'm looking for acceptance. God has accepted you. And if you come to know him, I guarantee that you'll be free from those chains and you can actually be who you're meant to be. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray. I'd love you to pray with me and, and ask him into your heart, into your life today and follow after him. If that's you, let's just pray. <laughs> Father God, I'm sorry that I haven't come to you before. I feel so unworthy. I feel like no one loves me. Today I'm asking that you would pour your love into my life so that I might know who I am through who you are. I believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose again, that I might live for eternity with you. From this day on, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, talk to the people you came with, the family you're with, let them know that you made a decision, I actually want to follow Jesus, and and let them walk with you on that journey. If you don't have anyone with you, please come and see me, and we'll pray together afterwards. I'll be up the front, and you can just come up here. Apart from that, let's...